0: This is Leif Erickson, Insights Partner at Momenta. Welcome to our digital industry podcast series. In these podcasts, we capture insights from some of the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They are executives, entrepreneurs, consultants, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is, like the team here at Momenta Partners, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative and we welcome your comments. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the latest Momenta Partners podcast. My name is Leif Erickson, Insights Partner here at Momenta. And our guest today is Tom Rowley, Beijing Technology Startup Executive. He was Executive Director IT at China National Offshore Oil Company for six years and spent a total of 10 years in China working in the IT industry. While at CNOC, the, the acronym for China National, offshore oil company he led the implementation of a plant-wide IT project for Waisu refinery Asia's largest refinery at the time he is fluent in Chinese welcome Tom
1: thank you Elise it's good to be with so, you
0: so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, your background and, and tell us a little bit about your you know how you got involved with IT and specifically how you got involved with IT in China
1: sure yeah um, I think uh, I had started out initially in IT, working for a systems integration firm. Actually, it was based in Taiwan, uh, and I had gotten the opportunity to call it up to to start some work in a very early systems integration firm. And actually, the the, uh, the founder of that firm was a ex-deck fellow, so he and it come from the sort of mainframe. Deck world, and that was just at the beginning of sort of when we started getting to client server architecture. And uh, we were responsible for putting together uh, business applications using Oracle, Oracle database. Now, of course, you know, things have moved to, uh, you know, uh, packaged implementation. So with SAP and Oracle itself and all those other uh, providers have their own package things. But at that time, um, you know, things were kind of hand-built a little bit more, so that's how it started off, and that was in the early 90s.
0: Great, and and so where did it go from there? So you you ultimately uh, ended up in mainland China, as I understand it. Um, Correct. Did you go directly there from Taiwan, or did you come back to right. the US? So no, what
1: was- yeah, no, I had a little bit of a, a stop back in the US where I, I picked up a couple uh, degrees You know, in the United States, uh, particularly at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, where I'm from originally. And uh, after that, I uh, had worked for SAP uh, for a few years and, and done a, a stint with SAP for a few years. And then I've got an opportunity to, um, as you mentioned, join with Sinopec, uh, which is China National Offshore Oil Company, uh, as their executive director of IT. And uh, that sort of launched a, a period that I spent in China for you know 10 plus years. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I got back into, you know, work back into into mainland China.
0: Great, great. What a what a what a great experience. So, based on that experience, what do you think the difference is between the U.S. approach to digital technology and digital transformation uh, of of business, and and how it's approached in China? You know, how do cultural norms come into play? What what are the the primary right. differences that you've noticed on mm-hmm. on the different sides of the ocean there?
1: Well, I, I think you know, just to kind of abstracted. I think you know everybody's approach towards IT uh, generically is kind of you know similar, but there's a lot of historical cultural differences that may drive changes into you know how the you know things are implemented and 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 how you you know uh, technology is adopted. And in China, I think you know, there's a couple things that that are driving that. One of which is uh, you know China's uh, you know. A, a communist country and it's basically the government's communist. And, you know, they had uh, a long period where the government is based, uh, the government's management is based on a central power. So the central power um, by the government, they they lay out plans uh, on a, particularly on a five-year plan schedule. And those plans are passed down to the large, uh, companies, such when we call them in China state-owned enterprises or SOEs, of which CNUC was one of the major ones. Uh, and those plans, those five-year plans get passed down to the the SOEs or the state-owned enterprises in China. And those plans that are sort of digested by the SOEs, these large companies, and they create additional uh, sub-plans from them. To, and those plans could be in technology or in production and so forth. And since I was in technology, we were responsible for taking the five-year plan, uh, and trying to map out, uh, the the transfer that, you know, the IT transformation based on those, those plans. Um, that's kind of at a high level and I can kind of go into some examples of that. If you you No. No, Mm -hmm.
0: that's great. I guess, let me, let Mm -hmm. me explore that a little bit more with you. Uh, you know, one of the biggest challenges, uh, that organizations, um, in the US and and across the western world face is with digital transformation is that, that it often means uh, you know significant organizational change or cultural change and and uh, you know even even in a capitalist society that that can be a challenge uh, you know organizations you know are are structured to conduct business a certain way, and 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 right. therefore there's 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 sort of an internal re- resistance to it. The other part of it, of course, is you know companies you know inevitably work with other organizations, uh, partners, and customers that you may need them to cooperate to to enact digital transformation. So those are our challenges over here. Would those be the same in China, or be different, or maybe greater or less? How would you view that? Are-
1: yeah, um, so I mean, I think they they have similar changes. One thing you have to keep in mind, you know, some of these a lot of these SOEs are very large. Uh, you know, uh, just because of the size of China, that you know the population, uh, the SOEs are seen as uh, these large, you know, state-owned enterprises. Again, I'll use that that phrase SOE, but state-owned enterprises or SOEs, they're not only seen as you know driving the industry, but also as a a catalyst to help employment and, 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 you know, ensure social stability. So there's, a, there's a balance there, right. You know, that, that I don't think we have in the United States, or at least it's not, uh, it's not prevalent, right. It's not the main focus. So there's a, there's a direct tie between the, you know, the government and the, these enterprises, the, as actors in the industry and in the, in the social kind of fabric, right. Um, so making sure sh- yeah, making sure there's you know, you know, making sure there's stability, but yet some kind of level of production. There's a th- that's something that they have to balance. Um, right,
0: right. Yeah. Now that's right. a definitely a different approach. Uh, we right. as, as we all know, it's uh, in, and certainly in the U.S. You're an employee at will, so uh, companies will will cut if they need to. Although there, I think there is still also a bit of sense of social responsibility here. Let's let's right. change. Sorry, yeah, go man. ahead. Do you want
1: to add to that? I was just going to say add to it real quick that, you know, in one example, um, this was with another SOA that I'd worked with, also another large one called uh, Chem China. Um, you know, we had to shutter a number of plants. And typically, in, you know, in the West, uh, you know, they would shutter the plant and that would kind of be it. They'd get their notice, make sure HR did its rounds to, to you know, kind of notice everybody. But, but within China, you know, when you shutter a plant, you're responsible to, you know, ensure that there's... Employees are moved off to somewhere where they can, you know, find employment and then, or maybe just move them into another plant. So there's a lot of movement around. So, you know, it's it's quite different um, just from that. And I know this is not a technical component, but this is, you know, still very relevant, I think, in the way of the difference between the two models.
0: Absolutely, and of course, you know, mm-hmm. you know the, as I mentioned, it's it's you know, there's there's organization and cultural challenges here as well. So it's never just about the technology. But speaking mm-hmm. of technology, let's let's explore another subject, which is mm-hmm. um, information and data. Of course, you know, digital transformation um, does require different approaches to data and. And how you share data, and how you share it with business partners and customers, and collaborate around those that, right. that data. And and I understand in China that's you know that could be a challenge. There's different approaches to data and, and the free flow of data in China than there is in right. in, in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, one of the big things is, you know, China, I, I don't know how much the audience is aware, you know, they obviously find out that it's, in China, there's a there's a establishment of what they call the Great Wall uh, of China, which is the Great Firewall of China, rather. And it, it really kind of, you know, monitors and is a, and a block for websites and content outside of China. And that's actively monitored and managed by China's central government um, and you know they have their own, you know, version of some of the, the major uh, websites that we have, including, uh, you know, for example, Baidu is is an example that is basically China's version of Google. Um, so you know, China, you know, through Baidu, effectively manages the flow of information, and this management, um, you know, steers content or visible content. To the consumers in in one way or another, that's different than what we would have in the West, where it's open.
0: So does that mean so you know more and more companies in this part of the world are moving data to cloud-based services, whether it's from AWS or Microsoft or even Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, I say moving like it's a seamless thing, and 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 right. everybody's doing it, but there is there are still some resistance over here for the security and and uh, you know, confidentiality reasons, but, but definitely it's a trend. Uh, How, how might that play out in China? Are there equivalent services over there or how do they deal with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So with a lot of things you'll see, like, as I mentioned, you know, China's not uh, supporting Google. Um, I think there's other platforms that are sort of shut down or very, very limited access in China. Um, So, so, China also has encouraged their own domestic, uh, you know, technology platforms that would mimic what we're doing with AWS. So, so um, you know, Alibaba has what they call Aliyun, which is Ali Cloud. If you were to translate that, correct? You know, um, so they have their own kind of domestic, indigenous kind of uh, setup that the government tries to um, encourage. And, you know, if you think of it, you know, sort of a, a glass is half empty. It's, you know, China's trying to manage the content, you know, to their own extent. The other side is they're just trying to build up their own industry. So you know, I think it kind of looks at, you know, how you look at it. But but definitely they they do kind of tend to build up their own industries. Um, and I, I don't think that, you know, technology is any different there. So that's been my
0: right, and then, and that. That that we're seeing front and center in the current trade dispute, aren't we, in terms of the the protection of of specific industries? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so what what do you know? Just in general, if you think about you know our approach to technology and digital transformation versus theirs, what do we do well? What do they do well?
1: Well, that's a great question. I, I think you know there's definitely, I, you know, you, it depends on who you talk to over in the West. You know, there's there's a group of folks that seem to, you know, unless want to bash China, and there's a, another group that say, you know, they're going to, you know, overrun us with, uh, you know, their own products and so forth. So, but I, I think you know if you kind of stand in the middle of this and look at it, there there are some things that I think they did do well. Uh, I found that while over there, China's very good at, you know, obviously, top down driven types of projects, right. Um, and once the Chinese were able to kind of go ahead and, you know, the employees were able to get on the same page, the execution, uh, was very quick. Um, and I was surprised because there's, you know, oftentimes a large number of employees, um, and it takes a lot of orchestration, but the execution oftentimes is very quick. And so I think we could take a page from them on the, on, on the planning execution side of some of that, um, yeah, on our side, I'd say, you know, the U.S. is particularly strong in its ability to continuously improve. We've got, you know, the ability and framework structures that allow us to, you know, undertake something and constantly re-evaluate it and tweak it and so forth. And I think that, you know, China is still struggling with that area. And then I think that 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 speaks towards the ability to get a quality product, you know, on time and, and always constantly trying to strive to, you know, improve on that product and the delivery of the product. Um, Interesting. And, and then I think also on the U S side, we're particularly good in terms of, uh, having an innovative kind of fabric or foundation at the very bottom. And, you know, uh, that's, uh, you know, helps, percolate a lot of different ideas and so forth that, that bubble up from that. And I, I think this helps us with the whole concept of ideation to realization, which is, I think, just not not established very firmly in China as of yet. Good. Well,
0: you know, that brings up another uh, point, which is, you know, there's been a lot of uh, talk in the last year or two about about the area of artificial intelligence or machine mm-hmm. learning and and that, you know... Uh, you know, maybe because of the reason you mentioned or mentioned earlier, that sort of top-down approach, they're they're investing a lot of money, and there's some speculation or, or uh, predictions that they're going to race ahead of us in this area. Is that right. uh, is that you know, realistic, or do you think it's a little uh, bit overblown? What, what's your well, thoughts on I, that? Yeah, right,
1: exactly. So I've uh, you know, in addition to do some of the work they've done over there, I've also uh, taught uh, at a university. Um, in an engineering institute in, in China. And um, I did see, you know, the government's pushing AI, uh, pushing machine learning. And I'm, I'm I'm not surprised to hear that they've spent a lot of money on it. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to get to, you know, producing, uh, you know, a, a group of people that are out there. They're, you know, focused on that and they're going to make some inroads in the area. It's the, the problem is that sometimes with this, with the direction they take at times there's not a base to receive it so even though they push it down um there's not these sort of underpinnings that help kind of uh allow for traction to develop and then as i mentioned you know continuously improve at the base and i think that's where you know that's where they they don't have quite the mechanisms that we have so We're for a bottom up. If you would look at it, and they approach their top down, and while they kind of lead by that direction, sometimes when it hits the base, there's not enough of a platform or foundation to allow it to continuously develop on its own, absent of the constant, you know, pressure or money inflow from the top.
0: Right. Interesting. So Mm -hmm. so. Despite the, the resources that they're throwing at it, that doesn't imply necessarily that they're, they're of course, going to race ahead of us. Well, we know I think it's,
1: you know. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, you know, how much traction do you get? You know, what's the return on the investment? And I think, you know, I think that uh, in that model, sometimes the return's not as uh, high as they'd like to have or that you would expect. I could
0: say that, right? Well, I mean, we've faced that same challenge here, right? We have VC firms yeah. that will chase markets. I and mean, then just look at what's happened with uh, with with WeWork over here uh, in a different right. area. Um, but you know, there is that, and 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 you could argue the same thing for AI and machine learning. Sometimes we're we're chasing something that you know that's more than we need, right? Which is, right, you know, a lot of companies yeah. would benefit from just basic.
1: Uh, improved information sharing and right.
0: decision making around information and instead of something the, sophisticated.
1: Correct. And I think the difference is that, you know, in our, our, you know, model, if you will, there's a market with different forces, sometimes seen or unseen, that are at play that help dictate that direction, whether it goes forward, slows down, or stops. But in China, that may not be there. And that communication is broken. And that market's maybe not there. It's not well formulated. So, in other words, you know, we can
0: pivot it, more quickly and, can, and, and exactly. Force, and it, go, force correct, may, if right, you
1: will. Right, force correct at uh, at different levels of granularity. Right. I don't know how effective it works. Sometimes it's not as effective as others. But I would say, by large, theirs is not as effective. And there's given, I think theirs is a little bit more prone to overshoot or undershoot. You know. So, That's gotcha. gotcha. true. And then inefficiencies come out from, and you see that in in you know terms of wasted and manpower money so forth
0: right right mm-hmm. so that 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 sort of takes us as a good segue to thinking a little bit about the future of technology in in china how do you see it evolving do you see convergence with the u.s and the western world <laughs> in terms of approaches or or divergence or pretty much business as usual or going forward well,
1: yeah, I think that you know I would say there's going to be a lot more convergence in China with the U.S. technology, where uh, where the technology is more linked towards what I would say sort of B to C or business to consumer, retail, uh, because I think those those companies, technology companies, have a lot more autonomy from the central, the Chinese central government. Uh, they've mm. kind of been left alone, and I think you see a lot more innovation there. So, you know, like, I don't know how many of the users or your, 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 um, your audience is familiar with the Chinese, um, uh, product called WeChat, which is, you know, like a social, like WhatsApp or something like that. It's, it's, um, a very, I think, find very, um, easy to use, very well developed, um, and lots of different functionality that, you know, the U S, you know, platforms maybe are just sort of catching up to, and they've had, they've been enjoying that for a while, um, yeah, I think we're familiar with it if only
0: because of the trade dispute, right? Because I think it's come oh, up right. is come up as something that might be blocked because of security concerns.
1: Uh, okay.
0: It? That's my well, only familiarity with it anyway.
1: Quite possible that there are some security concerns there, but just in terms of the technology as well as related to your question, um, yeah. you know, I think that there's some convergence there and some a lot more free flow ideas and and I would say that you know the Chinese kind of components, these social tools are are pretty advanced, right? However, on the flip side, maybe some of the technologies that are a little closer towards uh, core, you know, concerns for the central government, so those ones that are closely tied to the SOEs and manufacturing supply chain, now some of that innovation, and I say innovation means domestic innovation in China, right, might be continuing to lag behind what we would see in the West, uh, and possibly, you know, that 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 uh, schism, if you will, say, you know, between the the Western kind of model and the, the Chinese model is going to continue. And I would say, I would say that it's probably continuing that vein and under the current administration within China, because they seem to be uh, somewhat retracting, you know, back from the West and more focused on. Developing their own domestic uh, capabilities, and you know, at different levels of cost, I guess.
0: Yeah, interesting. Of course, uh, a lot of that is is playing out in the public right now with the, uh, again, with the trade dispute. So let's uh, let's switch gears a bit here, which mm-hmm. is and talk a little bit about you know some of the challenges that that China faces, and and one of them like, I've heard is is in the area of of labor. You know, with the the former one child policy and, and the grain of the population right. uh, is it is it true that that there is some uh, there are some challenges there in terms of their 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 labor force and getting the right people and the right trained people
1: right yeah absolutely i mean again i can kind of speak a little bit more towards the technology area where you know you know had the most exposure and i would say that you know china has made a, a lot of improvements too to bolster the post-secondary educational system and, you know, the system of universities. Um, if you look back in the, you know, the 60s to the 70s, there was a big gap where the educational system was disrupted over the Cultural Revolution, and basically, you know, the universities were shut down. Um, you know, so after that, you know, into the 80s and beyond, the government really pumped a lot of effort and money into, um, you know, bolstering that system. And the I think for the most part, uh, have done a good job into recovering, gaining ground. So they've produced a lot of you know young engineers and so forth. Uh, but but you know focusing on that meant that they kind of didn't focus on some other areas I think as much relative to that investment. And some of that is an area of like sort of technical or vocational training. So there's at present I believe a still a, a very large gap where uh, that's not being filled with trained. Uh, young folks coming out of vocational technical schools and um, I think there's an increasing need for those people to be trained up um, that are going to be supporting and working in higher uh, value add kind of jobs in manufacturing and and so forth so um, and especially as China's trying to move up the production value chain like there you know traditional china was just you know producing low-end low quality kind of uh, you know Products uh, in China now they're obviously making a big push to to move up the value chain and produce products that have you know uh, a higher value content and are, not, are so they need the the uh, the base to support that and I think they're you know now realizing that they may have you know in, in this case maybe undershot and maybe not paying enough attention to that so there's kind of a gap there I believe
0: interesting and that takes us back to your comment earlier about the top down approach and not having the market sort of uh checks if you will to uh, to pivot right if they if they're, if they're dictating everything from the top then they're and they're not reacting to the needs of the market as quickly correct
1: correct and like i said there's maybe you know that communication has been disrupted from bottom to top and so maybe you know there were a number of you know larger companies were saying hey we need a we need these kinds of technology people or you know tech vocational technical people and they, it's just not getting translated up you know or maybe it's not translated down i don't know but that 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 communication free flow of information on needs and market needs is kind of disrupted
0: and and i think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me we we also have another mechanism over here. It's called immigration, right? If we need skills <laughs> right. and we're not producing, it we, oh, we yes, people right. come here, right? Is there right. any that, that, opportunity for
1: that in China? Well, I mean, I guess I'm a product of that. Like I said, I was employed by two large SOEs um, in China, and so I was, you know, in, in from of purposes you know hired on to help at that time but it's interesting because right about the time when you know the the new leadership took, took place and came in a lot of those sort of high-end jobs where you know some some other executives were pulled in from the West to help out That's um, kind of all dried up the contracts um you know, that were in place kind of were just left to not be renewed. And I don't think they were replaced with other newer contracts. Um, Not to say that, you know, China's not bringing in experts, but I just don't think it's at the same volume. Um, And I think the focus has been shifted. So certainly at the higher end level, technical level, you know, I think that's been been, um, substantially uh, diminished.
0: And given the nature of the government there, probably is not as an attractive place to to immigrate to, for for a lot of people as the U.S. is. We continue to be a magnet for for global immigration.
1: Correct. I think you know. Again, there you know that the, you know our one of our big strengths is this network of universities that we have. You know, just fine you know establishments. Uh, you know, and and not just in the United States, in the Western kind of. Develop more developed work um and i think that there, you know china is still moving to to i mean i think that's definitely a goal of theirs right it's a stated goal is to, to build up the universities um but you know i think the the u.s is still kind of the model um uh, in that and i think it's still an envious position
0: yeah that's that's very interesting so let's uh let's let's um sort of wrap up if we can on um your thoughts on the future um Of you know, sort of technology in general, you know, in the context of your time in China and and, where where we go from here, but and maybe even a bit of advice for organizations that look to deal with uh, and work in China. You know, what's the um, you know what what should they be thinking about? Again, putting aside the current political environment, but sort of the longer term view of of uh, engaging with, collaborating with, et cetera, in China.
1: Well, oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, particularly engagement with China. Like you said, I think the current um, environment, you know, it's 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 strained right now on both sides. I think um, as there's been a readjustment uh, from the previous, let's say, 15 years where there was you know rapid growth, and I think China honestly was a lot more open. Um, and I think that you know a lot of Western firms had invested heavily in China with the idea that they were going to get, you know, they were going to be provided a, a an open platform and things. Their investment was going to, you know, bear fruit over there. And I think a lot of firms, have you know, even larger firms um, in the West, um, have kind of, you know, shied away from that, or maybe they've, you know, turned away from that that leading position in in, in China, particularly. But I don't think that. I think this is, you know, it's maybe perhaps a cyclical kind of thing. Um, I think that at some point, you know, some of that stress uh, could be relieved. And, you know, I think that China's in a position where they're trying to understand perhaps leadership what, um, you know, benefits China and but more sustainable. And I think the model they had before perhaps was, you know, hey, we'll – we'll try to get as much as some of this technology transferred into China to move up and then we're going to be able to you know dictate things on our own and you know and craft you know our way to, to work and, and maybe not engage with the West. Um, and I don't really know how that's going to play out. I'm, I'm thinking that's rather short-sighted. Um, and I think they're' they're, they're experiencing, so that retrenchment and what that means for them now, and and I think that you know, so to put that in context for the you know Western companies that might think about you know continuing on with China, I think let's let's face it, it's still a very large market. Um, you know, there's there's still labor there that I think is is not as cheap as it had been, but still relatively cheap. Um, and I think that uh, you know, there Chinese is like I said, there there's a lot of younger folks that are. In, through these universities, and uh, I think they deliver, you know, a quality offering in terms of what they bring to the table and value. And I think that's going to continue with that trend. Um, and hopefully, things are open up. And so, yeah, and I, uh, and
0: I, yeah. I guess there's there's also the hope, and I and I tend to be an optimist myself. In the right. long term, yeah. there's always, right, you know, the human progress is never a straight line, but that that a lot of these young people coming out. Um, are looking to uh, have a more outward-facing, you know, view of the world than than the, their their predecessors, and that might influence the the overall policy and and relationship.
1: Is that well, correct? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I think a lot of the folks that uh, you know this sort of younger group of uh, people that worked with. You know, they, they grew up during this period of time in China where uh, China had rapid growth, uh, you know, was much more open and so forth, freer free flow of ideas and so forth, um, engagement with Western companies. They either they either worked for a Western company or they worked with them as partners. And um, I think a lot of them have gotten used to that. And I think that's just, you know, something that's sort of ingrained a little bit more now um, for this generation of Chinese employees and uh you know, I, I think that um, whatever the government's kind of crafting right now in China, I, I just don't know how it's going to, again, you know, where's that going to gain traction with the larger populace? I think that that's yet to be seen. And I think if I look at it in the next maybe five five to eight years, I think we could see some correction in the, the current regime where they maybe realize that it's, you know, going alone and closing off, walling off is not going to be in their best interest. So,
0: right, right. Well, that's a that's a yeah. good way to to end it there, uh, Tom. Mm-hmm. We we also like to share with our audience uh, any recommendations you have on books or other resources uh, that uh, you know that that might shed some additional light on the subject.
1: Yeah, I mean, just in terms of what I was talking about, sort of in China. There's a there's a book um, that's written by uh, Carl Minzer. Um, called How China's Authoritarian Revival is undermining its rise. It's, a, it's a interesting. I don't know how much I've described to it. It's just something I'm, I'm looking at uh, at that, uh, reading through that. That's interesting. Uh, uh, in terms of resources, uh, you know, at Life Resources, I have a plug in for a company called Better World Books. Uh, this is an agency that you can buy used books off. they'll deliver to you sometimes free of charge. Uh, they also purchase used books, and then the the proceeds go to um, literacy throughout the world and a number of different really great uh, things they do. So uh, kind of a little plug for some a nonprofit uh, organization that's doing some good, I think. Great. That's,
0: that is super. Thank you for that. And thank yeah. you for taking some time today to share with us your insights on, yeah. on China. Absolutely. This is Leif Erickson, Insights Partner Memento. Thank you for listening today, and please share with us what you found useful, as well as your own perspectives on digital industry.